This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're coming to you the day after. The day after that we beat Southampton at St. Mary's. And uh, there's a few things. I'm actually on my way back home. I've not even got home yet. I mean, I stayed overnight in Southampton. Had a few beers down there. The Brazilian bee was down there as well. And uh, I'm in my new electric motor as uh, I spoke about a few weeks ago and uh, one thing about electric motors is, as you know they go only a certain distance and you have to have a stop off so I decided to stop off outside Laney's house plug my car in and go to the boozer to get some food and drink so there's a, there's a bit of a sort of false economy with these uh, electric cars because you basically save money on the, on, on the fuel but then you end up spending it in the pub anyway but anyway I'm Billy Grant here and I'm in the boozer and we're going to talk about the game on Saturday against Leicester and also the game last night against Southampton. I'm with Lady. How are you doing? I'm good, yeah. It's, just like, it's very social, isn't it, having an electric car? It's like, <laughs> it seems like you have to do everything at a different pace. Yes. You have to add a, like, an extra hour on yeah. to plug it in and stuff. And then uh, obviously stop off and see a mate on the way home and have yeah. some lunch and yeah. stuff. And then, uh, then record a podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I enjoyed trip little lift you gave me down there yesterday um, and uh, it was obviously a really good away day a really really good away day um, you know I thought the atmosphere was, was great in the grounds I thought the, the away support was, was pretty good um, it was a cold wet night um, it wasn't you know it was easy easy-ish to get down to Southampton but getting to the grounds always a bit of a schlep and that and uh, but it was well worth the effort because uh, you know two nil two nil away win was just what we just what we hoped for after uh, after the Everton defeat. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a great night. We, I mean, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. And like I said to you, I mean, we're going to have the fans as well from the the game, which is up there now on Pride of West London. Check that out. We've got Brentford fans and Southampton fans. We don't or in in the in the in the, in the Premier League. We don't actually often get opposition fans because it's a bit harder there they're a little bit kind of more uh, stum I suppose the word is you know than they are in the championship where everyone's kind of like a bit more open a bit for having a little beer having a little bit of a chat wants to talk football 
Premier League, it's a, it's a bit like, it's, you know, it's a little bit different is all I'm going to say. But, you know, we got a Southampton fan last night. He spoke very well, I thought. You know, he told us of his woes and his thoughts about Southampton. And he even gave up with a little UBs at the end, which we were very happy with. Because, you, uh, you, tr- you tricked him into that, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a trick. I mean, it was like, you know, I just sort of kind of... He, 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 it was a bit of a sold cul-de-sac and he found himself down the cul-de-sac and ended up sort of tucking in. I think he just said it just to, just to, stop, just to stop your kind of... You saying it? You said it for enough times. It was like parrot fashion, literally, and he parroted it back. Brilliant, good work. Uh, so, as, as you know, one of our um, main objectives when we do the post-match podcast and we get away fans uh, on the podcast is to try and get the away fans to do a UBs, and uh, and that was a winner on that one. Anyway, but listen, we've got plenty of things to talk about on this pod as we sit here in the pub because uh, the longer that we sit here, the more that we can eat and drink, you know. And it could be all sorts of drinks. It doesn't have to be alcoholic drinks as well, as we say. And anyway, but we got is what we're. Going going to be talking about that Southampton game that we won as well and the impact of that game as well then also we are going to be talking a bit about Ivan Tony um, because as we stand at this very moment in time the England squad is going to be announced very very soon hasn't been announced as yet so we're going to carry on talking and hopefully at the end of this podcast we might have something or may not have something to talk about Ivan Tony stroke Rico Henry and also we're going to be talking about the Leicester game on Saturday we've got another team who are they're not deep in a relegation trouble but they're in a little bit of a pickle Leicester they have been all season and we've got Thorpey you know um, from the uh, Leicester um, well he does his own little podcast he does loads of sort of media stuff with Leicester as well James Thorpe as well and he is going to talk to us about Leicester but Laney, just coming back to uh, let's just let's let, listen. Let's just come back to to yesterday. I mean, like you know, early start ended up in the Dancing Man Brewery. I mean, um, what, what was the first thing that came to your mind when you thought Dancing Man Brewery? I mean, it was right opposite the Isle of Wight Ferry as well, which is uh, that brings back some memories of something that we really wanted to go on to. We talk about this a lot back in the day when we wanted to go for an international. Newport, about, Newport Isle of Wight. Newport Isle of Wight. We always wanted to go there. You know, so talking about, you know, we we're all going on to a, a European tour. This is not quite a European tour, but it would have been a, 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 a sort of kind of, I don't know, what is it? Where is it? What is it? It's kind of UK international kind of across the waters tour, yeah. you know. But directly opposite, there was the Dancing Man Brewery. And you Good, good, good afternoon. Yeah, it was good. You know, in a coincidence, I started started the day there and ended up um, back there after the game. I got a lift down there with you and lift back with Ristic. So um, uh, yeah, so he parked right around the corner as a complete coincidence. So yeah, really good pub, uh, quite quite quiet, um, but the beers were excellent. A few be- a few bees came in. Then we went into town. Um, and then we got chucked out, <laughs> chucked out of the pub for daring to be an away fan, yeah. um, which was a bit odd. We don't we don't come up against that very often. I know that there are certain uh, places you go to, like Wolves. We got that. We got to kind of uh, circumnavigate that. There are certain areas because it seems to be a bit of a South Coast thing, wasn't it? Because it happened in Bournemouth as well. Remember? Yeah. The jo- as you said, you know, we weren't welcome in in Bournemouth, but there was actually, you know, they they came and found us and and kind of removed us from the premises, which you know, it was a bit bit kind of OTT. We were just we weren't singing, we weren't in colours, and we were big Southampton fans yeah. as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was just like you know, house rules, and they was a bit jobs worth. But there you go, yeah. Um, it. It, you know, then we went for a walk and we ended up in an empty pub, um, and it was yeah, it was decent. And then uh, 
obviously straight straight onto the ground. So uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think with these mid these third Wednesday night games, it, it screws up the the podcast um, really because. You know, it doesn't really give us an opportunity to talk about Everton, um, which we'll, we, we kind of will skip over anyway because you know it was a defeat. I'm not saying we can't talk about defeats, but you know it was. It, we just seemed to run out of run out of steam in that one game. There was enough chances to get a point out of it, but really, you know, it was all about the reaction. It was about how we were going to bounce back from that. Players would have been kind of a bit, and not down necessarily, but you know, I think it would have been a bit, a bit deflating to to kind of uh, go back to a losing um, mindset because there's something we haven't experienced since Aston Villa, back you know, back in October, and it's, it's such, it seems such a long time ago, um, and we needed to get back on the bike really quickly from that, and I, I just think from start to finish we look strong. I said it on the podcast. Last night, I'll cut, I'll cut my bits out of it um, when, we, when, you, when we listen back. But, um, yeah, I, I just thought at no stage, really, did we look like we had the appetite for defeat. And you know, Southampton, they put us under a, a fair amount of pressure. Uh, and we, we, gave them, we gave them a lot of possession. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the possession stats show that, you know, they, were, they, they had the ball at their feet almost the whole of the second half. But... We were just really well organised, really well structured. David Raya, I thought, was excellent in the air. It's, it's the one part of his game where we all kind of, um, we not, not, you know, we're not, we're not sort of nervous of him, but, but he's not the tallest of goalkeepers. So when those lofted balls are, are slung in, and you've got a six foot seven striker up there trying to trying to attack him, trying to attack with, with his head, you know, Raya needs to be at his, he, at, he gets his timing spot on, and he did. His, his catching was excellent, and the, the conditions—it was wet and it was—it was blustery. And yeah, I, I just thought—I thought it was just an excellent performance, considering we weren't—you know—we weren't on the front foot. We weren't on the front foot. I mean, we're just going to talk about maybe a few plus points from this game, or just points that we, you know, that we're going to pluck out from that game. Kevin Sharder had his second, I believe it is, second, was it second or was it third? Third start for the for the Bees. I mean, he was Everton, you know, I can't, I can't remember. But anyway, he basically, Kevin Sharder started again for the for the Bees. Okay, he started against, did he, no, he came on against Fulham. And, ah, it doesn't matter, we're all going all over the place, but it doesn't matter. But anyway, Kevin Sharder came on in the first half and uh, <laughs> he's... Every time that he comes on, he's showing what a tricky character he's going to be. He is, uh, as they say, shit off a shovel. You know what I'm saying? He is properly fast. And he had a little run down the wing, which basically they just, uh, they just couldn't, couldn't keep up with him, could they? I mean, he, he, and he is, like I said to you, he is, he is a, bit of a, he's a, bit, he's a bit of a trickster. He is he's really uh, fast. He's quite direct. But also, like I said to you, he, he does get stuck in. And he was, he was getting a bit of a... He was getting a bit of a pounding yesterday from Southampton. I don't know if they thought, listen, the only way that we could stop this guy is just to kind of sort of take him out. But, you know, he, he, you know, he went down, boom, and then he got up again, down, got up again. I mean, I thought he had a good game. He did have a really good game. And I think what Thomas Frank, I've not, I've not heard him talk about um, Sharda's performance last night. Um, but Sharda got back and defended as well. And um, he, he, he's learning to play the Brentford way. He's obviously, he's been told to sort of... Uh, keep an eye on Ivan Tony and see what see what he does, how he puts the shift in, and um, he, he he really celebrated, uh, you know, the, the the goal, the first goal. Um, he, he, he's really enjoying his time at Brentford, it seems, and to, to get starts now, and I think it's, it's fully deserved. And I think it's the first time we kind of really saw him knock the ball past someone and attack space, and you know, so much so that they ended up having to take him out, foul him. 
uh, and um, you know they all they ended up putting two players on him really, one marking him and one dropping a little bit deeper. So if he did get past him, there was someone someone there to kind of uh, you know to, to to block to block the ball. But yeah, he's going to cause a lot of trouble um, in the top flight, and you know it's it's going to be interesting to see him develop. I think we've signed a real star. And um, some people are saying that you know. I mean, Damsgaard had, had a very good game against was it Fulham, you know, and they, they sort of thought that maybe he was a little bit unlucky to have uh, to have not started this game. He did. I mean, I think there was talk, you know, Damsgaard certainly deserved another chance after the Fulham game, but he really didn't do himself any favours um, um, at Goodison, although he was played out of position, which isn't his fault. But um, I thought he was I, th- I thought he was just weak um, uh, up at Everton. Um, but then, you know, Jensen didn't have a, have a great game. Um, so I think we were just off it. Uh, you know, all, all those things. You know, we still created enough chances in the second half to get something out of it. But, you know... That, that's, that's what we rely on. We, we know that during 90 minutes we will create two or three big chances, but we have to convert them. And that just didn't go in. Rico was unlucky um, um, up, up in Liverpool. And, uh, you know, there was a, that incident with Ivan Tony. He looked like he was trying to find connection with the defender rather than find connection with the ball with his head. Um, and, and, and the chance went. So there, there was, you know, and obviously David Raya come up for that last minute header as well. So we did create, but it, it wasn't to the standard. And, it, you know, we, 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 we weren't ruthless. And this was in the Everton game as well. This is, yeah, the Everton game. But so, you know, as I, as I just said, you know, it was, it was vital that with... With after doing so much good work and having um, reeled in, you know, the top top seven, top eight, and, and reeled back Fulham back in, that we we didn't let it all kind of unravel and get you know get a little bit sloppy. It, it, it seems to be so much professionalism in this team and, and in the coaching and in the standards that are set. And you know, we 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 really are looking high. You know, we we are aiming high, and I just I just don't see. You know, we've got we've got to play pretty much the, every single team that are above us, apart from Arsenal. Now we played they, we played them twice. Everyone else we have to play, and if we if we win a few of them games, it means we're going to be in, uh, we're going to be above a couple of them. You know, um, it's it's really exciting, Bill. Very very exciting indeed. Tell you what, we're going to go back to uh, Wednesday night. We're going to go back to the terraces, to the stands. We're going to listen to what the fans had to say, both Brentford and Southampton fans, they were going to come back and we have a little bit more of a chat about the game. We got a job done. It wasn't, wasn't pretty, but hey, we come here, we got the three points, that's all I'm out. Not that many shots on target against us. You can't complain against that. It was a bit hairy, but hey, you got, you got to do what you got to do. You get the three points, you get the three points. You beast! You had! We done. It wasn't pretty, but yeah, yeah we, we, we dug in. They, they, they huffed and puffed. We soaked it up and we picked them off at the end. It's lovely. We're looking at coming to these places now and getting the result and winning, but not being too cocky. We've got to remember where we come from. Another good performance and result. Not the greatest performance. Wasn't pretty, but we dug in, we defended, we kept them out. Another great win. We're living the dream. You look at this time last season when we played them, it was horrific. Um, they absolutely destroyed us. Um, so this is like this is this is comeback. This is amazing. Everyone's buzzing. Yeah, forget the weekend. That was just a little blip. 
and we're just back to how we were last Monday. Yeah, we're buzzing. When it came to it, we defended exactly as we needed to. They couldn't get that final ball in, could they? As I said, second half, I'm not going to be nice about it. We had nothing going up forward, did we, at all? But you have to win, you have to win those games that we, even when you're not so strong, and that's exactly what we did today. I'll tell you what, it was a hard watch that second half. I must admit, it was... Um, it was I don't think we strung three passes together, but... But... We scored when we needed to score. We scored in the first half at a good time and we definitely scored in the second half at a good time. Really, it's all about it's all about the defensive duties today and they, the boys really, really put a shift in. I mean, you can't be no prouder than that. Southampton looked like a team at the bottom of the league. Um, if they show if they had any far power, they should have put a couple past us. Although they were playing they were playing the ball from side to side rather than attacking us. But hey, you know, we'll We'll take it, and Wiesa's goal at the end. Result. Oh, fantastic result. Any other result would have been a travesty, really, today. The better team won by some margin. Slightly different tactics today, but yeah, that, it should have been only one result. Bees win today, all day long. I didn't think the players were remotely nervous. I think they probably thought they were in control all game. And we sat back and let them come out and let them have the ball, and they had lots of ball and didn't do much with it. Um, thought a really like, 10 foot tall bloke on and we won a couple of headers but I mean they're rubbish and I mean, they're, they're going down with no disrespect to them um, but they're, they're not very good and I thought we did exactly what was needed we've we got a 6 or 7 striker who can't jump can't put the ball anywhere near the goal I don't think we had a shot on target at least in the second half it's just I mean, when we've got two strikers and Theo Walcott on the, in the box and nothing's happening for them and uh, Ruben Sellers done a great thing we've only conceded three goals in the last five games which for us is amazing. We've had three clean sheets this in the last five games, and before that we've had one all season. So Ruben Sellers is doing a fantastic job in that sense, but we still can't put the ball in the back of the net. It'd be a, such a same thing to do. We'll lose to Brentford, and then we'll go and beat Spurs at home on the weekend. It's, it's job done, isn't it? 41 points now. Um, job done. And plenty of games to go. Yeah. It's, um, it was, you know, first half I thought we were really good, actually. Really, really good. Thought we kind of controlled it. Um, second half, I don't know if we just decided to go into a deep block. And it seemed a bit of an odd way to approach the second half. Tactically, he obviously was worried because we changed it, didn't we? So he went to three at the back. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think, I don't think he was comfortable with what we were doing. I don't think he was comfortable thinking we've got this because he switched it up and he switched it up a couple of times with substitutions and he switched it up big style. You know, with about 15 minutes to go, he went three at the back. He brought Pontus on, yeah. and it was kind of an obvious way to go, and um, and, it, and it and it saw the game out. But, but even with that, that we still had. To, I mean, look, you, you know, we. Pontus goes down. I don't know, you know, and and we and all the old all the old tricks come out. Don't they? And, and if we're honest, if we are honest, right? If you were watching us yeah. as the opposition fans tonight, really you'd be you'd be really really upset. But you know, maybe that's what we've had missing for for so many years, and um, and we just saw the game out. And, and you know, I I guess you have to do that sometimes. There you go, fans. Bees fans, Saints fans, Bees fans happy, Saints fan not particularly happy, but then that's to be expected. Um, it's sort of kind of, I don't know, just in effect probably sort of thinking relegation is not a certainty, but they thought that, you know, like this game, the Bees game, if we had won that one, if they had won that one, that might be the one that turned it for them, but it didn't do. And they think they've got quite a few tough games to go. So let's just see how it goes. I mean, I was just said to Laney, I was just saying to him, I mean, look, 
Southampton is quite funny. It's not too far away. It's relatively easy to get to. I mean, it's a bit more difficult for me because I'm actually live north of London as opposed to south. If you're south, it's a really easy game to get to. But the other thing is that I came here for the Women's Euros as well uh, and I stayed overnight there as well and I was surprised about how lively it is. There's like loads of really good places to go and I've been down here quite a lot because I used to look after a set of artists from down here and obviously Craig Davis from down here as well. So I've been down there loads. But also... Um, on a Wednesday night. I mean, I was there Wednesday night on a wet, rainy Wednesday night. And normally, if you go anywhere, like, no chance at all. But literally, you could find places to walk into at 11, 11, half 11, 12, half 12, 1 o'clock, where you just walked into. It wasn't any problem at all. People were sitting down there having a drink. I was like, oh, blimey. You know, this is like, if you just want to come out and just have a little bit of a getaway, go with a couple of mates and just have somewhere you can go out for a bit of a late night, have a few drinks, but, but no pressure, Southampton is the place to go to. But um, coming back to the South, Southampton. There was a. Uh, we went one 0 up at half time. One 0 up at half time. One 0 up at half time. You know, very good uh, goal by Ivan Tony as well. Uh, one of the, again, very good at set pieces as we are. Flick came in from Norgard, the near post, and Ivan Tony was like, wham, bang, smacked it into the back of the net. One 0 up, looking comfortable. Southampton came out the traps in the second half, and to be fair, if it wasn't for like a wicked block from Hickey early on in the second half, we could have been talking very differently in this pod couldn't we yeah yeah I mean, it, it, it was a critical critical interception you know David Raya did I think he parried it and then it, or, or it went through his legs it's hard to see a lot you know we were such a lot we were right at the back of the stand as well um, so it was, it was hard to see at times um, but yeah I, I think if it goes 1-1 one, one and, you, and you get the, you get the they, they get their tails up a bit it, it could have been it could have been a bit of a different outcome you know so in that in that respect that was you know that was kind of pivotal in the way the game panned out uh, but um, you know before that Brian and Bumo had had a, had a shot um, blocked by the goalkeeper's legs um, great flick on by Tony and he, he, he kind of volleyed came in at the back post and volleyed it and it was a really really good save so we, we could have been two up I think two up at two up at half time and then you know I, I think they would have they would have been fearing the worst but uh, yeah I, 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 I thought Southampton were okay it was just they just had no end product you know they, they, they look like they've, they've got something about that they could have enough about them um, to escape uh, I mean I, I hope they do as you said you know it's, it's, you want you want your more local um, easier trips for for, for next season if, if, if we can um, so yeah I, I mean I wish them well to be honest I've got nothing against them um, it's just that you know last night they, they just seemed toothless and we, we were just clinical when the chances came and uh, again my man Wisa pops up okay you can call him uh, what's it Wisa the super sub you know who we bring on and uh, again we discuss this in the boozer where like he said to him he seems to have more of an effect when he comes on as a super sub for a set amount of minutes with his absolute speed and energy and in the 90th plus probably what seventh minute yet again you know and this is not the first time that he scored in the 90th plus seventh minute he pops up and bang he puts the ball in the back of the net um and again it was one of those ones where because the second half and you heard all the fans talking about it the second half was pretty dire to be honest with you brentford they weren't really we were just it was it wasn't great in the second half so to have a half like that in the second half where we weren't great but we were doing enough of a job then bang we still pop up to score the last goal that has got to be great for us and a gutter for them 
Yeah, I mean, they, they, they were quite moody, weren't they, in that corner to the left of the Brentford lot. Um, there was fights, fights kicking off. Um, one, of, one of them was quite a, quite a lively toe-to-toe, which um, was quite entertaining, actually. Um, can't condone that kind of behaviour in a football ground, Bill, but um, yeah, it, 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 it was quite, quite funny to watch. Um, and, yeah, you're right about Wieser. He Unfortunately for him, um, when he has started, he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't sort of have the same impact. And maybe it's against tired defences late on in the game is the right time to use him. And, you know, if, if we have a player that comes on uh, with, with 10 minutes to go and scores 15, 20 goals in a season, um, it, 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 we'll, have to have, we'll have to have him kind of typecast as, as that's his role because... You know, you don't want to. You don't want to change that. I mean, people can get wise to that. But you can't. You can't. You can't get your energy levels back in, in, in the 80th minute. Um, he's, he's quick. Um, he's lively. And that that finish. You know, Ivan Tony's flicked on header. He won the. He won the header on the halfway line. And that released released. Um, uh, Wieser threw on goal and it kind of got stuck a little bit behind him just as he was going to shoot but he did he did brilliantly to lift it over the goalkeeper's legs and find the net and there was there was limbs Bill there was there was a lot of collapsing Brentford fans because people would people were kind of they weren't there wasn't a fire drill and it certainly wasn't a blooming um, full of mess no it wasn't full of mess at all it wasn't a fire drill and it wasn't an evacuation but people were preparing to go and pe- a lot of people were standing in the aisles and, and on the stairs coming back down from their seats and obviously when the goal went in there was a lot a little bit of tumbling going on in a good way and uh, yeah it was it was well celebrated and, and interesting as well and I bumped into uh, quite late at night last night I got knows what time it is I was making my way back to my hotel and I bumped into Trevor as well who uh, like I said she used to hang out with for years on the terraces on the Royal Oak Terrace as well and who's had a little chat he's actually lives up in Lancaster been there for over 20 years now still comes and sees bees home and away you know and so he was chatting and he said that actually you know did you know Bill like last season and again you know we need, maybe we need people to throw these facts in for us because last season we had six six pointers apparently didn't know that did, did you know that no apparently we had six six pointers JB. last season yeah JB actually we'll get J, we're going to get JB on in a minute actually which is all good and, and uh, I don't know what he's going to come up with this week but uh, hopefully maybe next week he might come up with that but six six pointers apparently last season whereas this season we've only had one six pointer already which is uh, Southampton so we've beaten them home and away but we've still got four more six pointers to go and they are and I was going to ask you who they are but you go oh, oh, no, no, some no. of them well, Man City yeah. Man United Liverpool yeah um, it's not obviously not Chelsea, unfortunately. Um, we haven't beaten Leicester um, and Leicester and Leicester. No, we haven't done them yet. Um, West Ham, West Ham as well, isn't it? So yeah, so we've got four more, you know. So we've got Manchester United, Man City, and Liverpool, which obviously the three big. Well, not not putting West well, Ham down. Did I did pretty you did, well? You yeah, did really. So you get, did really. You, you get, get prized. You get you. Well, you get you get a, you get an absolute mate. Eric, it's coming out here now. Actually, you know, it's called it a big cake. Well, I hope you've asked Thomas Frank because he knows exactly what I need. He knows exactly what you need, indeed. So yeah, so we've got that. So we're sort of saying, what a mad season it will be if you end up doing the double over Man City and Man United. In one Liverpool. season, you know what I'm saying, and Liverpool as well, which is and Leicester. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, so yeah, so um, just coming back to that Southampton game, uh, just see if there's any uh, final points as well. Oh yeah, Pontus Jensen just popped up at the last minute when we decided to go three at the back. When we decided, oh no, we better, we're not doing very well with holding the ball here. We need to just kind of close this game out. So we went three at the back. Pontus turned up, which was a, which is a bit of a surprise actually. Yeah, good, good to see the old boy back in it, and. Uh, 
Yeah, there's, there's a few. There's a few that kind of we've moved on from, and I don't. I know he's been injured, and I, I might sound really harsh, but we've been flourishing um, without him in the team in the same way we've been flourishing without Canos in the team. And it's, it's just, I think, it, you know, we might be in transition. You know, he's obviously a really useful player. He's a massive part of our, our recent history. And, you know, we all love him. Um, so, you know, but it, it's, 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 I think the opportunities are going to become fewer and further in between for him. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to see him back last night, for sure. Indeed, indeed. Listen, talking about, like I said to you, JB, JB, Facts and Funk, he always gives us Facts and Funk every single show. And uh, as we've got Leicester coming up at the weekend, JB is going to give us a few more Facts and Funk. Jonathan Birchall here again. On Wednesday, we completed the double over Southampton. We've now played them in 20 league seasons, and that's only the third time we've done that. Both the others were in the 1950s. It was also only our fifth ever league win at Southampton. Back to Saturday, and our 12-game unbeaten run came to an end. A run which equalled our best in a top-tier season. Thomas Frank was quoted in a Sunday paper as saying, but that is for the past and the history books quite reminiscent of 1922, when we set our club record of winning nine consecutive games. That came to an end with a 1-1 draw with Bournemouth. Manager Harry Curtis expressed similar sentiments when he saw this as a blessing in disguise. Making and breaking of records is no good to any team. Last season, Manchester City beat us 1-0 on the 29th of December 2021. And until the Everton game, we hadn't had another 1-0 league defeat. So we'd gone through the whole of 2022 without that scoreline. That's never happened before in any of the other 97 calendar years we've been playing league football. A fact more remarkable when you consider 1-0 is our most common scoreline if we lose a league game. 23% of our pointless games end in such a result. When the fourth official held up seven minutes of added time at the end of the Southampton game, there was some disbelief. But less so when Johan Wisser took advantage of that 7th additional minute as he scored his 12th Premier League goal. Half of which had been scored when he's come off the bench. So there you go, JB with his facts and funks. And don't forget also to go and check out the Gowler. The Gowler. Um, Beast Breakdown as well. They do a, every single match. They do a statistical breakdown of the game and it's really interesting on both sides exactly what happens sort of almost like not blow by blow because obviously you can't do like every minute by minute but in the key moments of the game you go and check it out and he breaks it down statistically you know um tactically what they've done and what brentford are doing what the opposition are doing interestingly you know we get some sort of uh, fans have said you know we shouldn't be giving the opposition our tactics but it's kind of like you know yeah i, I get that but to be fair if the opposition ain't got their own tactician who is breaking down our tactics, then they may as well just leave the, 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 the league and just go and play non-league, you know what I'm saying? You know, which is all good. So, yeah, I think he's done a really great job. So check it out. He's got the um, the one from the weekend, the Everton game at the weekend. And uh, um, he, he possibly may put up the Southampton one. Obviously, there's a game on Saturday, so it's quite a tight turnaround. It's in the States, in the States as well, so there's a, there's a time difference. But I, I really, really enjoy it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm no tactician. I'm not a coach. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm quite happy to put my hand up, but you know, but I'm happy to learn and I'm happy to kind of work out where, 
where we've changed formations mid-game and you know where players are you know it's, it's quite clear sometimes what 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 they've trans you know what's transitioned from the, the training pitch onto the onto the the match you know the the Brian and Bumo um, corner last night that Norgard flicked on for Tony that's if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Straight out of the training ground. You know, and that, that sometimes might explain where we don't beat the first man when we don't get that delivery from the corner perfect. It just hits the defender instead of, like, one of our players. But we, we, we're looking for that quite a lot. So, um, yeah, it was perfect last night. That's really, really good. So, listen, let's move on because on Saturday we've got a big game against Leicester. And Leicester. And Leicester. Uh, we've got Leicester coming down. Um, play the uh, first game of the season, in fact, it was, because I remember I was in Spain. I was in Spain with the Cheshire Bees, actually, watching it in a bar in Spain. Um, and uh, we didn't do particularly well in the first half, but we did a lot better in the second half. And in the end, it was uh, even Stevens, I think, right? There's two all in the end, like, you know what I'm saying? So, so long ago, I understand the sun was beating on my brain. Josh, Josh, Josh De Silva, last minute equaliser. We're still, yeah, I've got a few people still buzzing from that. That was be- a beaut. That's right. And again, last minute equalisers make it feel like a winner. And for the the, the opposition, makes it feel like a loss to them as well. But listen, Leicester are coming back down. Um, interestingly, because they hadn't had a great start to the season. But we were saying, Leicester, man, they've got, they've got two good players. They're not going to carry on having this terrible start to the season. They'll be all right. But they've gone the whole season kind of just like not doing particularly well not doing like really badly but just not doing kind of particularly well sort of kind of sort of like probably a position that we would have been delighted at being in last season you know sort of 15th-ish or something like that 16th-ish but from Leicester's perspective I know that the Leicester fans are not happy at all with what's going on down there they think that they've lost the vibe you know they want the manager out um, there's lots of things listen we could t- sit down and we could talk about Leicester as much as we want to but we're going to go over and talk to Thorpey Okay, because he knows everything about Leicester. Let, let's 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 talk. He give us the lowdown, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk Leicester. Hello to Billy and to everyone listening. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast once again. Um, my name is Jamie Thorpe, a freelance broadcaster, um, a massive Leicester City fan and season ticket holder. Um, spend most of my time talking, writing, um, and generally being quite upset about Leicester City. Um, 
So yes, obviously big game coming up um, for both teams in the very separate and different circumstances, um, but one that we're probably both looking forward to in a different kind of way. Um, now, so <laughs> Billy's asked me the question about what are my thoughts on on Leicester, and it's sort of hard to know where to start um, with the general shambles that has been this Leicester City season. Um, I think to try and give your yourselves and your listeners a little bit of context into why things have been quite so bad for Leicester this season, I think that would probably be best because I think it's fair to say that things haven't gone exactly as many people would have predicted for Leicester. Um, I myself had us finishing sort of between 10th and 12th, um, so a bit of a regression on previous seasons, but nothing like what has actually happened. Um, Rogers himself warned us in pre-season that we were in for a season of pain and we all thought that this was a classic Rogersism, um, where he sort of tends to exaggerate certain things but um, sadly in this case he, he turned out to being completely right. So basically Leicester City's accounts have just been released um, and on the face of them they're horrendous. A uh, £92.5 million loss for the year means it's £192 million over the last three years which is quite some way above the rules of financial fair play. Um, there is mitigate, mitigating circumstances within that, in that there are COVID exceptions, and Leicester were particularly hard hit by COVID. But regardless of the way that it's fallen, we are skirting very close to the line and remain on UEFA's watch list. Um, this has largely come as a result of Leicester's ambition, um, and I know that seems slightly um, contradictory, but um, let me explain. So. The wage bill for Leicester is seventh highest in the league with an average of around £87,000 a week. £87,000 a week, yeah. That is a simple result of Leicester's owners trying to break this top six model. But it's much, much harder to do that than you might think. Um, Leicester's income, £215 million, um, for the year, was the eighth highest in the league. But the big six, the traditional big six, all make over double that in the year. So you can see the disparity before a ball's even been kicked, you're roughly £100 million behind. Um, commercial revenue for us, our shirt sponsorship is worth about £15 million a year. Man United's have two worth £50 million and £45 million respectively. You know, you're playing with different beasts and in order to try and break that, you have to spend. Leicester's model is fairly clear that they sell a big asset every year, which is something that they've done with the likes of um, ben Chilwell, Riyad Mahrez, Harry Maguire, and, and it served them well. They've reinvested that money very wisely. They've had to pay big wages to attract the sort of players that are going to break you into that top six, um, paying big money for the likes of Madison, Yuri Tillemans. But it's not necessarily them that cause the problem. In order to compete in Europe, as we all know, you need a big squad. You can't simply do it off the same sort of 15, 16 players like some clubs operate. You need to use your full 25-man squad. And in order to attract certain players to come, Leicester have spent over the odds. I think that's not not unfair to say at all. They've The money thrown at the likes of Yannick Vestergaard and Ryan Bertrand in the last year in particular has proven to be nothing short of an un unmitigated disaster. Um, you've got players that are have fallen out with the management such as Soyuncu who, who can't get anywhere near the squad who on reasonable money and it's that that's acted as such a drain which meant that last season oh sorry this season in the summer we weren't able to spend any money now in the Premier League as we all know 
apart from Brentford, who provide a really refreshing <laughs> uh, counterpoint to this with the, with the attitude and, and I think that the, the footballing philosophy that's followed by, I did a great interview with John Varney a couple of years ago. I found him absolutely a fascinating man to talk to because the model is so almost unique, but has been so successful to see, but they break this mould, which is fantastic, but Leicester have tried to spend and in order to do so, you have to spend consistently. So having won the summer where they were hamstrung, weren't able to spend money, you just see the regression in the squad. Rodgers was crying out for new players. There were a number of players that were on his list that have gone on to do well. Uh, Brennan Johnson at Nottingham Forest being one that I think would have really benefited us. And that's got to be quite painful for him to see. So they've basically entered into a period of retrenchment where they're trying to remove players that are on high wages or coming to the end of the contract. And basically, it's a bit of a cyclical thing where Leicester have got to press a reset button. There's going to be a lot of big players leaving. Um, I'd imagine that they're going to have to sell in order to balance the book, so to speak. The owners have written off all of the club's debt into equity, which is fantastic. Um, and it's something that's not uncommon in the Premier League, I think, of the of the accounts that have been released so far. Um, there's been 11 or so released so far and 10 clubs have made a net loss. Um, so you do need investment from owners and ownership groups. Um, and Leicester is certainly not alone in that, but they will lose. My un, unofficial prediction is that James Madison is off to Newcastle. Um, Yuri Tillemans will go um, and it wouldn't surprise if there are one or two more. So the only target that Leicester have to have is simply remaining in the league which looks less and less likely so heading into the season obviously they lost Wesley Fofana late which the club did not want to do under any circumstances and had it not been for the behaviour of the player himself which um, well look up any time that Chelsea play Leicester and, and look on Twitter and you'll see the reaction from the fans tells you everything you need to know it was um Full blood. Well, I'll be polite and just say he threw his toys out of the pram, but I think we all know what I'm trying to say. Um, losing him so late, obviously they're replacing him with fast, but you've you've spent, you've lost a key player, a massive player for the club and how we were set up. Added to that, uh, they spent the majority of pre-season building a plan around um, a Ricardo Pereira and lost him to injury again. Uh, so it wasn't, you know, the greatest start to the season. Head into the season, again, more injuries and, and losses. Casper Schmeichel left for Nice. Um, you had big injuries to Johnny Evans, who's been unfit most of the season. And then they've had and James Justin, who sadly had only just come back himself, really, and was hitting, looking a fantastic player out for the season. Um, you've had Tillemans, um, Johnny Evans, obviously, as I mentioned, massive rock at the back. Tillemans gone. Madison being out for big periods. So they've, they've got a thin squad that has been rocked by injuries and that has just resulted in the most inconsistent up and down season that we're seeing the results of now. Which sort of brings us quite neatly on to the manager and my thoughts on this. Um, I think it's fair to say that Rodgers has polarised opinion. Um, the fan base is very much divided. I think if you look at the Chelsea game uh, the weekend, that was the first time there have been clear or not quite majority, but clear groups of fans joining in with chance for Rodgers um, to be removed of duties at the club. So I think it's fair to say that opinion is certainly starting to sway against him. I can't... I can see why the owners have not rushed the decision, even though I think that this game will be the one. If Leicester lose again at the weekend, that will be the time. They will... Before the international break, with... 11 games left to go 
you, you still give yourself enough time. So this is a this is a big game, really. But the reason why they haven't is because Rogers is sort of so ingrained into the the culture of the club at the minute. From little big things, to obviously the philosophy, the fact he's brought in his own staff. Leicester paid eight odd million to remove to bring him out from Celtic with his staff. But there's little things such as choosing square tables in the club canteen to ensure that players talk and you know no mobile phones and players have to clear their own plates and cutlery away stuff like that he's he is in the philosophy so removing him not only removes the manager but and obviously his coaching staff but you sort of rip up a blueprint that's been four years in the making um and i'd imagine that to the Leicester owners who have quite clearly tried to build a project and, and have done so with Rodgers and they've seen the success that it brings when it works, I can imagine that they are hesitant to to rip him, to rip that up and to sort of to bring in someone that is untested because in reality, the, the managers that Leicester can aim at at this time, it it's not going to be the sort of list that an aspirational club such as us wants to have. Um, I think if you go back towards the start of the season when we when we begun, you know that they, they, they would have been able to look at maybe not the likes of Thomas Frank, but you'd been looking around Graham Potter, people like that. They'd have been able to at least aim that higher, at least consider themselves to be an attractive proposition. But now, where the club are and everything that's going on, I can't see that being the case. So, what do they do? Um, I think that there has also been. Mitigating circumstances, and I know this is something that not a lot of Leicester fans agree with. Um, Rogers has obviously got credit in the bank for for three very good years, winning the FA Cup, Community Shield. Um, you know, very very nearly back to back top four finishes, which I personally think he did exceedingly well to get us there. That does play in his favour, um, but then you look at the last few games as a subsection. So if you take the Man United, the Chelsea and the Southampton games for Leicester, three losses. Um, three games where Leicester left scratching their heads as to how they lost. Um, Man United, it was a De Gea wonder class, um, masterclass, sorry, <laughs> that stopped us getting anything. Chelsea, again, big chances. And Southampton, I, I, I just don't understand that game at all. Kelechi and Nacho just, I'm certain that was his twin playing. It was, it was something else, but they've performed well. They've made enough chances. What does persist and what does worry me greatly is the fact that we are so vulnerable at the back and so vulnerable in terms of mentality. When things don't go our way, heads go down ever so quickly and chaos reigns. The fact that we've had to look to Napoli's Mendy to be one of our most stable and calming influences shows you sort of the the way the club's at at the moment. Um, You're turning to players that a year or so ago, or even in the summer, would you'd have viewed as being a fringe player at best, and he's having to be one of our main men. So it, it does tell you where we're at. I'm basically willing to bet that our entire Premier League survival rests on the shoulders of one James Madison. Um, Leicester are a very different team with him. He's an exceptional talent who, frankly, deserves to be playing in the Champions League, um, and will do so as of next year, probably. Um, the chances created, uh, shots, shots on target, big chances, goals, assists, court, like uh, the whole lot goes up with him and the team. And you can tell the team are more confident. He's a constant outball. He's an absolute menace. And the drop of the shoulder and, and turn that he has in his locker is 
is getting up there with with the best so he makes a massive difference Leicester he is I think he's carrying a little bit of an injury and Leicester are nursing him through it so keeping him fit is going to be absolutely crucial we've got 12 games left six are against relegation rivals it is in Leicester's hands but only just it's goal difference at the minute so things could turn quite quite swiftly I'm sure that you'd like me to put an official prediction out there and I'll try and be as optimistic as I can. I think Leicester will stay up, um, but the fan malaise and the general attitude of the fans towards the team and the situation is, if you look at Everton last year, there was a... Everton at home were a different proposition in that the fans, regardless of how bad they were, and they were terrible for a lot of the season, the fans came together and almost just tried to single-handedly will them over the line. And... They did so. Lampard came in, new manager sort of bounce, and, and then the fans picked up on that and they stayed up. Leicester, I'm not certain it's the same. Um, discontent is probably the most, at home, discontent is probably the word I'd use the most. Our away sport has always been very good and I think they will continue to do so, but having that 12th man makes all the difference. So they're going to need a couple of performances and I think their momentum will be enough, but lose the next couple and I think they're in big trouble. But anyway, very quickly, because this is obviously a Brentford podcast um, and you are certainly a club that I think most teams in the league would admire. A very likeable team, clear style, clear philosophy and sort of reminiscent of Leicester of the last few years in that whilst there are very good players within the club, I think that it's not disrespectful to them to say that the their output is greater than the sum of their parts. Um, I think that there is... Thomas Frank has obviously got them ticking and has found a system that works in the Premier League and and, and is getting the most out of his players. And that's, that's the highest compliment you can you can, you can can pay him. I think I'm looking forward to seeing where you end up this year. Um, arguably quite jealous of, <laughs> of the team and how you're playing. I think that's clear to see from from my voice at the moment. But um, yeah, it's... It's a club which I've been to a few times. I've, I've always enjoyed it. Obviously, I've met up with yourself, Billy, and had a, a felt very welcomed in that in, in that environment. Um, but obviously, uh, things will be different come Saturday at three o'clock. But official prediction time. I mean, this is a nonsense call. Um, I've written it down, and it's not. And even looking at it, I don't believe it. But I've sort of got to want to believe that Leicester are going to win the game, despite form, <laughs> players. Um, and every other sign pointing in the other direction. I, I just can't see that Leicester continue to create chances in the way they did and not take them. I think that in one game we're going to click and we're going to outscore the opposition and I'm really hoping that it's this Saturday. So I'll put my neck out on the line and say a 2-1 Leicester win. Um, but other than that, thank you very much uh, for having me on the podcast. As always, I wish you guys the very best of luck for the rest of the season, apart from for Saturday, obviously. Um, and yeah, very much look, looking forward to seeing what the uh, trajectory of Brentford is over the next few years. And uh, yeah, thanks again and uh, hope to speak to you soon. So there you go, Thorpe, Leicester fan, giving us the lowdown on Leicester and just, just let's doing our little own quick analysis on Leicester as well. I mean, just looking at the strengths and weaknesses. Leicester, what they're good at is that scoring from direct free kicks, they're good at that, and also long shot opportunities. Uh, and I think we've, we've experienced that with them before, actually, where they scored a couple of goals from us. From Yeah, in fact, oh, I think nearly all their goals, like Tielemans and them, like, they all scored from, like, like, properly, like, literally, like, you know, just, like, miles away, you know. But where their weaknesses are, their weaknesses are avoiding offside, aerial duels, defending set pieces, defending against through ball attacks, defending against skillful players, protecting the lead, stopping opponents from creating chances, and very weak against defending 
counter-attacks and defending long shots. Uh, they like short passes, they attempt three balls, often take long shots, attack down the left, they're non-aggressive, play the offside trap, and they play in their own half. Looking at that, you know, we can see that there's plenty of opportunities there for the mighty, mighty bees. Yeah, 100%, Bill. It's, uh, they're, they're one team that we've not beaten yet, and they'll be one that we certainly want to. You know, we were just saying um, two seconds ago, do you think Brentford have become a Leicester City-sized club yet? You know, we're, we, must be, we must be getting close. They, they seem to be... They seem, you know, obviously, they've won the Champions League, um, the, uh, the Championship, the, the, you know, the Premier League, uh, and they've, they've, they've had a Champions League campaign and they've been involved in Europe. So I don't, I don't think we're quite there yet. I think if we finish in the European places and we, and we, and we do, do go on our European tour next season, I don't think we're that far behind. Them. I mean, you know, I'm not getting too carried away. You know, whether we will ever sing, you know, we we are champions of England. I'm not quite so sure. But that was a, that was a you know a bit of a one-off. That was a, a freaky kind of season where everything went their way, and we all shared in that. You know, that shared in the euphoria as well in some 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 slight way. So, but I don't I don't I don't think the the comparisons between the two of us are, are, are that different yet. Which goes, you know, I think it's just just shows you how far we've come. So. I think beating them on Saturday, if we can do that, and then finishing the season strongly, I think that's where we're kind of nudging towards. Is that is that over the top, Bill, do you think? Not really, no. I mean, I think that, again, this is not disrespecting Leicester, because, like I said to you, I think they've done phenomenally well. They've got some really... I mean, when we played them last year, they got some... Yeah, just, we just thought, oh, my God, look at that team. They've got some phenomenally great players. They've been playing great football forward from time. Obviously, they've had the tragedy that they've had, you know, with the chairman uh, who died in the helicopter. You know what I'm saying? All things like that, the club's gone through a lot of... Kind of almost like say metamorphosis. It's you know, and it's still trying to stabilise itself. Um, and we were talking about this as well. Now we're going for a good time, and uh, we were looking over to our left and seeing the Southampton fans punching to you know, you know, six shades out of each other. You know, what I'm saying because they're going through not so good a time, and you know, we're realistic to go. You know, this could happen to us at some stage. You know, not necessarily next week or next month or next year even, but you know, at some stage, you know, sometimes you know you're gonna you you, you might have a bad run, or you might come to a bad time, and you've got to kind of see how you weather it. And I think for for, for the for the for the Leicester, it's like seeing how they weather it. You know, working out where the problems are, the problems with the, with their recruitment. Was it with the hiring of the managers? Was it with their tactics? Was it the attitude? You know, is it the fact that they grew so big that they end up getting like loads of stars and loads of money, and then they didn't really care about the team as much as they did when they weren't as big? You know, there's loads of things which you know which we don't really know about. You know, but we'll see. But you know, I, I still think that Leicester are a good side. Um, but we, if we continue what we're doing with the sort of strategies that we've got, we can sort of kind of look at them to sort of emulate the kind of stuff that they've done you know and uh, and like I said to you as you all know I'm not overly keen on a European tour next year but I'm, I'm keen on a European tour at some stage and maybe like Leicester we can actually kind of copy them on the European store, tour stages and, uh, and and down the line but let's see just yeah, oh lady, go. no we're just saying but you know the they, they are massively underachieving, aren't they? You know, it's 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 a it's it must be a right struggle for their fans. You know, it's, it's the same with Leeds United fans, really. I mean, you look at their players on paper. Both both of those teams should be should be doing better than they are, but they're not. And that's that's the, that's what the, the 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 managers and the head coaches will be scratching. It's like how how have we got this quality of player? Um, and they're just it's just not it's just not transferring into results, Bill. And you know, it's. Uh, you wouldn't want to be stuck down, um, as, as the Allard said last night on that on that 27 point area. It's, there's there's a lot of, lot of teams and there's a lot of good teams that can find themselves going down this year. 
And yeah, and, and talk about that quality of play. I mean, they're going to announce the England team in a minute. You know, you're talking about Ivan Tony, uh, and if you want to do sort of do a pure stats thing, you know, for the season, his XG is 17.61. He's by far the highest um, um, beast player, okay, when it comes to sort of kind of the quality of chances that have created over the season. The highest in Leicester and Leicester is Harvey Barnes, 6.59, so about seven. So you could see the, the gulf, the difference between the two players. And I was saying, actually, because the team's not been announced as yet, Looking at Ivan Tony yesterday, he was playing and he was doing all right, but he didn't look like a player at a, maybe had a bit of a strict spring in his step. And we think that maybe the players do get told beforehand whether or not the England team or not. And I don't think that he was playing like he that he was kind of like in the. I might be wrong, like that he's in the England team. Like you know what I'm saying, I've got an England team announcement, but you, you know you're going to announce the team in a minute, and I'm going to be completely and utterly wrong. Um, just talking about, like I said to you, kind of Leicester as well, similar to us in their possession. Average possession is about 48 percent. Ours is sort of similar, 40, 48 percent. So it's going to be quite similar like that you know goals against uh, xg against is that they they they, they let in a bit they the big big chances so they're letting um they bigger chances created against them as well so going into this game in principle you would have thought the difference between our two sides and what we're creating what they're what they're creating and what they're in effect letting in ivan tony is in the england side ivan tony is in the england squad so there you go and as i was saying I was looking at how to Ivan Tony was playing yesterday and I thought that he looked like he was actually kind of going to be in the England squad, like, you know, the way he was carrying himself. So there you go. Is there no Rico Henry, though, in the England squad? I'm waiting for, waiting for the list, literally. Okay, okay it's the headline title. So, so it's the headline title. So this is really interesting because Ivan Tony is in the England squad now, but, but he's still got the same cloud looming over him that he did six months ago. So why didn't they take him to the World Cup? Uh, a mystery. You know, he was he was the perfect penalty taker. Um, he was the he was the perfect person to have there as as the, the literally the, the, the perfect replacement for Harry Kane if if, if he got injured. And um, it was I think it was uh, a mistake. I think it was um, I, I think it was um, what's, the, what's the right word? I think it was neglectful to be honest with you. I, I think if if we, if we if, if Harry and it looked like he was injured at, at one stage. Um, if, if he'd gone out, then we, we were really scratching around there, and we had we had someone that was probably on better form than Harry going into the into the World Cup, and I and I and I think that could have been the reason we went out. It wasn't the reason we went out in the end. Um, you know, the French the French did us fair and square, but uh, um, I, I, I think hopefully, I mean, you can't pick him again and not play him. You can't you can't do it again the second time to him. If he if he if he gets if he gets if he gets on the bench and doesn't come on, if he doesn't get his cap, I, I think he should walk away from England. Yeah, well, I mean, he's going to play. He's going to play because you know he's going to play because there's no point. There's absolutely no point. In a, in a way, they kind of embarrass themselves a little bit, England, because if you're going to not pick him, and they didn't say why they didn't pick him, but there was no reason not to have picked him before for that reason. And I think they they fluffed it because they went to Qatar. They took Callum Wilson. Callum Wilson, his contribution was minimal. It's kind of like, you know, is he the kind of person that's going to change the game up? You know what I'm saying? You know, at least with Ivan Tony, if things are not going particularly well, and with, um, with, with, with Harry Kane, you bring on Ivan and you change what you're doing. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't, they didn't have that in the fire. So well done to Ivan Tony. I knew it all along that, you know, I could see it on the pitch last night that he was going to be, you know, chosen for the match on uh, against uh, the Ukraine at the weekend, which I have got tickets for as well. So I'm uh, very much looking forward to going to that um, on a Sunday evening, actually, at Wembley, which is going to be all good. 
Um, so um, we're still trying to find out if Rico has been called up. So no, Rico Henry has not been chosen for England. But listen, you know, his chance will come at some stage. We are sure that it will come. So, uh, yeah, watching a Brentford player in, a, in an England shirt still may be uh, feasible, Laney. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, we, went to the, we went to Wembley, didn't we? We went to the Germany game hoping that he would come on and he, and he didn't. But it was good. It was in the end. You know, we, we came back and you know we, we flipped the game round quite late on was probably when he was going to come on and, and, and get his cap but yeah it's got to be this time it's got to be this time so listen just going back to the Leicester match uh, Laney we've talked a lot about lots of things we need to I need to show off actually because I need to unplug my car and get back home and I'm feeling very green and we've got Harry Benham out there as well who's our green meister besotted crew over there in Ireland as well who's been giving us lots of uh, sustainable tips and he's going to be talking to the club about sustainability as well because Harry Benham he he knows exactly what we need as well which is all good but listen just coming back to the Leicester game Laney um, look they've got some great players you know obviously Madison who always scores against us is he going to be is, it, is he going to be a trossard do you think and do you think he's going to score against us once again oh I can't stand the bloke um, yeah he probably is I just hopefully we've, we've, we've scored enough so it doesn't really matter he's going to score he's going to stand in front of the West Stand he's going to give it a big one he's going to get loads of abuse and he will be water off the duck's back and he will still score so um, yeah he's, he's, he's quality um, but he's an, he's an annoying bastard isn't he is he in the England squad I don't know don't care okay, <laughs> okay. We'll find, listen Thorpe might tell us a little bit later but like I said to you, they've got Madison they've got Barnes like I said to you, they've got Dakar who's the player that they uh, I think they got just from Zambian who, who came in just before the European tour that they had last time and started to score a few goals and uh, and he, he's right in there now you know he's with his four goals this season as well Tillemans who I think is a great player as well but I mean some of these players people are saying that some of these players they, they almost like feel like they don't want to play for Leicester at the moment now which is I suppose which is what we want on Saturday isn't it yeah we want we want to harmony and we want we want them to be at their worst yeah I, I, I've got a good good vibe got a good vibe it's, it seems to be uh, you know it's a, it's a positive we've got back to winning ways Ivan's in the in the England squad there's lots to celebrate lots to get down the ground early for um, have a few beers get behind the bees score prediction Laney uh, 2-1 Brentford and I'm going to go 2-0 Brentford because it's still not coming for me so hopefully like you know between now and the end of the season I'll get one of these scores right actually but like I said to you this is Besotted Pride of West London podcast we are in a pub somewhere in Surrey somewhere uh, lovely pub you know a nice bit of food a nice bit of drink a nice bit of chit chat as well we'll be in the Globe and the pub on Saturday as well having more food and more drinks and more chit chats as we do but like I said don't forget to subscribe on all good podcast channels and also don't forget to um, uh, write us a review buy us a beer yeah buy us a beer besotted.com <laughs> forward slash beer we've got besotted global as well which is going on we don't have the man of the match for this game because it's a little bit early because they're still voting on man of the match at the moment now but the Tasmanian B has to get up from Tasmania to actually to get his, 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 his supercomputer out to actually calculate those results but we left those in time for the next podcast but like I said to you a great result for the bees great result for Saturday great atmosphere great vibe we're on our way back we've got Leicester on Saturday we're going to say, come on you bees you bees Foxes Foxed Away days are great But there's nothing quite like playing at home The same goes for McDonald's Maximise your home ground advantage With McDelivery 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.